Michelangelo Signorelli on Sirius XM. Welcome back. I'm Michelangelo Cedarelli on Sirius XM Progress 127. Chad Griffin is the president of the Human Rights Campaign, largest gay group in the country, and has come on our program uh, many times. I haven't spoken to him certainly since uh, the big wins at the Supreme Court last month. And, of course, he was a founding board member of the American Foundation for Equal Rights, the group that brought... Proposition 8 uh, to federal court, challenged it in federal court, of course, with Ted Olson and David Boys, and you know how that uh, worked out. Uh, gay people are getting married in California as we speak. Uh, Chad, welcome back to the show. Michael, thank you. It's great to be with you again. Uh, this, obviously, um, a- an enormous uh, summer for marriage equality. Uh, Californians, once again, are getting married, and that was your goal Um out of the gate, when when you sat down with a few other people and founded the American Foundation for Equal Rights. Yes, indeed. Uh, indeed it was. By the way, I should also say congratulations. Um, you got married, as I understand. Yes, so, I did. Uh, very, very exciting. And, Thank you. You know, like you, couples um, all over this, this country now, uh, at least in 13 states in the District of Columbia, are finally able to enjoy that right. And our federal government uh, is finally, finally uh, recognizing those marriages, just as they recognize our our straight uh, neighbors next door, uh, so it truly is uh, a historic historic moment. But you know, as you heard me say, coming out uh, of those decisions, while you know we celebrated uh, that day and that night, um, you know, we immediately turned our attention, and as I think it was a second sentence that came out of my mouth, to uh, the 37 states that didn't feel the reach of justice um, by those Supreme Court decisions. And while historic that the Windsor case was one, and, you know, the incredible uh, Edie Windsor and Robbie Kaplan, the attorney in that case, did a, did a brilliant job representing us all. Um, and then Ted and David uh, with the Prop 8 case, tremendous victories. The four plaintiffs are, are now married uh, in the Perry case. Um, but again, it's important that we turn that spotlight immediately to the 37 states um, that are not only without marriage equality, Michael, but as you know, without, in many of those states, the most basic um, of protections. And uh, I want to ask you about that because, uh, obviously, the American Foundation for Equal Rights, separate group that, that you would help found, and, and it will move forward. And, and Ted Olson has talked about taking another case to federal court that, that could um, challenge many of these bans or all of these bans on marriage in the states. But, obviously, that's a pathway through the courts again. Um, certainly going to legislatures, uh, maybe bringing it back to a ballot. Uh, there's been talk of in Oregon or Nevada or elsewhere uh, ways to, to get these bans uh, removed. Uh, a lot of this work really kind of state-focused, either legislatively or work through the courts that Lambda Legal and other groups do. What is HRC's role on this particular issue uh, now moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, there's there's several ways to answer that, and the answer first and foremost is all of the above in terms of what you said as it relates to legal, as it relates to ballot measures, as it relates um, to legislative efforts, 
Um, those are the routes that we will get marriage in all of these states. And ultimately, another court case and GLAD and ACLU and uh, Lambda um, are all already in cases. And I remain, I should also say, on the board uh, of AFER. And AFER has not decided, or, as you know, or announced any, uh, any of its next steps or, or next moves. Um, as it relates to the human rights campaign, we will continue to make marriage a top priority, not the only priority, but a top priority. And as you know, in the four marriage battles this last um, election, we spent over $4 million just in those uh, four states um, as it relates uh, to marriage, three that got us marriage and one um, that we were able to stop a terrible constitutional amendment and then work in coalition um, with the statewide organizations as well as, um, again, ACLU and Freedom to Marry and others in order to bring marriage to those states. Um, and then we were able to get subsequent to that marriage, as you know, in Minnesota, um, Delaware, Rhode Island, and really making progress across the country. Now you have to look, if you look at the map of this country, we have swaths essentially on the East Coast and West Coast with sort of two dots in the middle, Minnesota and Iowa. Two brilliant dots in the middle, by the way, um, that I know we're all very proud of. Now you look at those other 37 states and you say, how do we get there? Well, we're going to have a legislative opportunity yet again in Illinois where HRC and others have been incredibly uh, active with our thousands of members. We have over 40,000 members and supporters in that state. We've had field workers uh, on the ground partnered with all of the great groups, the statewide organizations, um, as well as other national groups that are on the ground. Everyone has made Illinois uh, a priority. And then you look at a state like Oregon. Oregon is an example of a state where there is a ballot measure opportunity where we believe that we can bring about marriage in that state via the ballot. And as I've said many times, this is not where one's fundamental constitutional rights um, should be determined but where we have opportunities to defeat our opposition on their own playing field, we should take advantage of those. Oregon's an example of that. Um, Nevada, an example of legislative effort, as well as Hawaii. And we will be engaged, already are engaged uh, in those states, and are then looking what is that next round of states as it relates to marriage um, that in these next few years we can get. It took us four and a half years from the time Prop 8 passed until it was finally erased from the books forever. And I really do think within the next five years we can bring marriage equality to all 50 states in this country. But there will be a point at which we get all of the states that we can get via a ballot measure, a state legislature, in some cases actually uh, state court victories. There's a, a state court um, uh, decision going on right now um, in, in a couple of different states. So. We will be able to move balls forward on all of those fronts, continue to change hearts and mm -hmm. minds, including across the South, and then ultimately, one or more of the many court cases that have been filed or new ones yet to be filed by others uh, will ultimately reach that Supreme Court uh, again. But we will continue to put resources into these states and put uh, ground troops in these states uh, that we've been working in for some time now, but also really looking at this next frontier, looking at those states right. um, where, where marriage has not been uh, front of mind, and seeing how we can move the ball forward um, on issues like employment protections. Well, and that and that's my next question because obviously, as I as I pointed out. A lot of groups focused on the marriage issue, legal groups and state groups and other groups, and certainly they've been working on it for a while, and, and, and it's certainly important that everybody uh, work together. Uh, but one role that, that HRC has had in Washington is really focusing on that federal legislation, the Employment Non-Discrimination Act, 
uh, has once again um, been voted out, well, it has been voted out of a committee in the Senate for the first time with uh, transgender people included and will be voted on in Congress, of course, um, and we're told by the end of the year maybe uh, in, in the Senate. Um, not clear if it would get a House vote. It, it seems unlikely, but uh, a lot of people have talked about how it's just been um, really, um, you know, um, embarrassing and 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 uh, and and just um, a failure that we haven't had, not and certainly not on the part of you or any group. I'm just saying in general as a movement, uh, gotten these basic protections uh, and they're just uh, employment. And there's been a lot of pressure on the White House as well to sign this executive order uh, that would at least do it for federal contractors. And we've talked about this before. Um, and it's amazing to me that it was a year ago, I think you were on the show and we were talking about the president signing it and he still hasn't signed this executive order. Uh, what have you been doing to, to make that happen? Yeah. So let me start by saying, uh, you're right. It is outrageous and unacceptable, um, that we have no federal law, uh, that prevents someone from being fired, uh, simply because of who they are for being LGB or T. Um, and not only fire them for it, but tell them that's why you're firing them. Um, we have a number of states that have moved forward responsibly, uh, but still in more than half the states in this country, you can legally be fired for being LGBT. Um, it's unacceptable. It's also something that the vast majority of the American public, over 80% of the American public, um, believes that we should have these protections. Um, I did a tour of the South last week. I was in Arkansas and North Carolina and Virginia and in Mississippi. And we, re we released bipartisan polling. We hired Mitt Romney's pollster and Bill Clinton's pollster and did joint polls in these states across the South. It showed that over 60% of the people in the state of Mississippi support um, these basic employment protections, including the majority of Republicans. Same um, was the case in Arkansas and Virginia and so on. Um, for the American public, this is not a controversial issue. For some reason, it has been a controversial issue, particularly in the House of Representatives. But I'm optimistic, Michael, because you just referenced the committee hearing, um, or sorry, the committee vote, the markup that we just had. We came out of that with all of the Democrats voting for it and three Republicans. We had Senator Murkowski and Senator Kirk, but much to the surprise of many, we had Senator Orrin Hatch of the state of Utah. Um, voting for this. So as we move onto the floor of, sen of the Senate, there is a lot of work to do, and we will be heavily engaged in field work in each of these swing districts. There are a number of districts where both Democrats and Republicans are um, so that we can get to 60 votes in the Senate, and we are going to fight like hell uh, to get that vote. Then it moves over to the House, and we all know the challenges with the House, but things that we thought were impossible before are seemingly increasingly possible today. So I am going to remain optimistic until we get this done once and for all, as well, it relates to the executive order. Yeah, I mean, because obviously uh, getting a House vote with the Republicans you know, leading yeah. the House, I mean, there have been some activists who've been carving out way, or talking about ways that that can be uh, done, but we know there's still, um, you know, opposition among Republicans to LGBT rights. But, but yeah, the the executive order. I mean, the the president can sign, you know, an executive order that would ban this discrimination among federal contractors. The idea has been that he could lead the way. It would then uh, really create the momentum uh, with other companies, and then uh, with getting the legislation done. 
They seem to be seeing it the other way around the White House. The indications seem to be that, no, they want to do it legislatively or at least try every way they can before he might sign an order. I mean, he uh, could have signed this order, um, well, from the beginning of his administration and still hasn't signed it. Um, You are absolutely right. Um, there is no good reason the president has not signed this executive order. I think first we have to acknowledge this president has done a tremendous amount, moved us you know, forward, giant leaps forward when it comes to LGBT uh, civil rights and human rights in this country. Um, but a simple act that he can do, um, I think we all know and believe that the executive order is already drafted. All he has to do is sign it. It's not either or. It's not either the legislation or he signs it. The executive order should be signed because it's an immediate way, an immediate way to protect. So, uh, so why do you think? Employees. Why do you think he he hasn't? I mean, you I, must have some insight. I, I have never heard a single good reason that it hasn't been signed. It was a campaign promise he made more than six years ago, um, and. I hope and believe that he will follow through on that promise and sign it. There is no good reason. There is no one that can give you a good reason as to why the executive order hasn't been signed. Um, And we all as activists, it is our job to, yes, even push our friends when they're not moving at the pace uh, that they need to move. Well, I mean, you're somebody who um, certainly has helped raise a lot of money for the president, um, certainly brought in a lot of money from other contributors. Certainly HRC has been a group that has supported the president. Um, What do you hear when you when you go and you say to them, look, this is what the community wants? Well, they they say what you just said and what you've heard them say. Um, And that is that they want to approach this as they did with Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And it's a sense of of permanence. which is great, and that is the ultimate answer. We need federal legislation, and we have a president that will sign it. In the meantime, we could protect thousands upon thousands of people. They hear it. I believe there are people in the White House that support it. Um, and I hope at the end of the day the voices that are urging the president to sign that EO uh, will, will win out. I, I do not believe there is a single legitimate reason uh, to not sign it or to delay uh, in signing it. We have urged, I have urged privately uh, throughout the White House. I have urged publicly. Um, we have done membership engagement where tens of thousands of members um, have signed on. Many other organizations have done the same. Um, I, there, There is no question that that White House has heard us and that it is desired and it's wanted and it's needed. The, the perfect example is, you know, you look at federal contractors across the board, you can talk about them uh, you know, in, in obscure ways. But you can also talk about something like Exxon. Exxon's one of the largest corporations in the world. Exxon's also one of the single largest federal contractors. Well, Exxon has no employment protections, none, for LGBT people. So by the president issuing this executive order, immediately a company like Exxon could not get federal contracts. They make billions of dollars off the taxpayers, by the way, including LGBT taxpayers. It's outrageous that ExxonMobil doesn't have uh, employment protections for LGBT people. Um, The president can solve that um, in about 10 seconds, Mm. the time that it takes uh, to sign his name on an executive order. Um, It's the right thing to do. Um, I believe that ultimately he'll do it, and we all need to keep the pressure on. We just have a minute, but I wanted to ask you about this as well. Um, Obviously, um, we'd like to see ENDA get passed. Um, 
but there have been some criticisms that, you know, it's kind of old. Um, it has a religious exemption in it that seems to be a very kind of 1996, you know, sort of accepting of, of things. Uh, it's not bold enough. I wrote a, a piece about changing the name to freedom to work. We have freedom to marry. You know, it, 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 it this term and uh, just doesn't go over. And then other people have also said, why are we even, you know, limiting ourselves to this religious exemption on, on just employment? Let's think boldly and, and demand a civil rights law that is comprehensive and includes public accommodation, includes uh, education, housing, everything. Yep. How do you feel about all of that? I know well, it's a lot. Well, well, no, it's a lot for a minute. But first of all, I read uh, your your op-ed that you wrote on that as it relates to uh, to messaging, and I think it's a really interesting, creative idea. As you point out, for 19 years, it's been called uh, Inda. Um, having said that, we do have the realities of Capitol Hill, um, and that the legislation that is before them is that name. That doesn't mean that the public-facing side of this and all the work that we all will do, we're going to do whatever it takes. Uh, to move the public and put pressure um, from the constituents in the districts on the members that are that these votes are needed um, and and I actually saw your piece and took it and circulated circulated it uh, within our own team here and I can assure you that it's something that will be discussed as we are talking with all of our coalition partners um, uh, across the country on really being able to uh, put pressure. Uh, where pressure can be placed on on each of these uh, members, and we'll have a lot more to say about that uh, in the weeks to come. And I look forward to continuing to hear your and and others' ideas. Now, as it relates to broader protections, this is what I think we can get soon, given the realities of this town um, and the two parties in uh, this town. I, I I hear you, and look, and I know you, and certainly you did with marriage uh, and Prop Eight. You think out of the box and think uh, creatively, and. Uh, certainly uh, we'll be looking at it that way. Listen, thank you so much uh, for coming on, Chad. Sorry we have to cut you off now with this hard break at the top of the hour. Chad Griffin, president of the Human Rights Campaign. Michelangelo Signorelli, Michelangelo Signorelli. on Sirius XM.